So hello everyone and welcome to this episode of our series on greener practice. I'm Margaret Jackson. Hi, I'm Anthony Hurd. Hi everybody, my name is Hannah Armit. And today we're going to be talking about green social prescribing. And I'm very pleased today to be joined by Anthony and Hannah. And I wonder if you could introduce yourselves in a little more detail. Excellent. So yeah, I'm Anthony Hurd. I'm Programme Manager for Green Social Prescribing at Hull and East Yorkshire Smile Foundation. Um, so I've been working in the region on this project for a couple of years now, but previous to that, I've spent about 15 years in the, the voluntary sector in the nature conservation sort of work. Lovely yeah, to have you um, have you join us, Anthony and Hannah. Yeah, thank you, Margaret. Um, so my name's Hannah. I'm a clinical research psychologist and I was the clinical lead for the Green Social Prescribing Programme. Um, my kind of substantive role is in Humber Teaching Foundation Trust. And my background is working with children and young people with mental health conditions and neuro neurodevelopmental um, conditions and working on research studies, evaluating uh, green and nature based activities. Well, it's a pleasure to have you along this afternoon. So I wonder, first of all, talking about green social prescribing, Anthony, could you sort of say what that actually is? Yeah, for, for the basis of the programme that we've been working on, we kept it quite simple. So it's really connecting people with the outdoors and nature for the health and well-being benefits. So predominantly through pathways like social prescribing and, and mental health teams. And the actual activities that, that we refer to when we talk about green social prescribing can be really varied. So it could be practical habitat management. So, you know, practical conservation tasks on nature reserves. Uh -huh. uh, it could be gardening and food growing. Um, walking groups, so being physically active in the outdoors. Um, but also things such as surfing or being creative in the outdoors or taking more therapeutic activities such as mindfulness into natural spaces. Yeah, thank you. And and, and I was thinking like surfing and things that involve the sea or, or activities on rivers, that's referred to or can be referred to as blue social prescribing, can't it? Yeah, so we use the general term green social prescribing, but yeah, you'll hear blue social prescribing. So any activities on or near water and obviously here in our region, you know, fantastic coastline where I am. We've got the Humber estuary, so mm. so plenty of blue opportunities. Mm, mm, mm. Great. And um, Hannah, I know you've done quite a lot of work in, in thinking about the actual health benefits of uh, green social prescribing. I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, of course. Um, and just in regards to the blue and green, we also have grey social prescribing as well, I think, Anthony. So the kind of archaeological mm. activities that came in as a kind of third category. Um, but yeah, in terms of the, the research evidence base around uh, green and blue activity and nature-based activities, it's really growing. There's a substantial amount of evidence now to suggest that engaging with nature can have a really positive impact on mental and physical health. So we know that during COVID, there was a much greater use of green space by people. Um, the frequency of access and the access to nearby nature was associated with much better mental health outcomes. So it improved self-esteem, life satisfaction, and also lower anxiety and depression. Um, there's also quite a lot of evidence looking at residential green space versus urban green space. 
And we know that people who have access to nature, to green space on their doorsteps, and actually particularly blue space, so lakes and rivers have been associated with um, positive mental health outcomes and also physical health mm. outcomes. Mm. Mm. Yeah, the range of benefits is really quite impressive, isn't it? Yes, it is. And that's a kind of across all age groups. So a lot of the research I look at is around children and young people mm. um, and just some really excellent research studies showing that, you know, symptoms can be massively improved for children with ADHD. So, mm. yeah, really compelling evidence base. And I think as well there's evidence that um, access to green spaces actually can benefit people from marginalised communities even more more than the average accessing green spaces can actually do something to reduce inequalities yeah that's right so there's there's some really um powerful studies that show unequal access to blue and green space widens mm. health disparities actually um and it's really important that you know everybody has accessible high quality green space to overcome health inequalities yes uh, um thanks very much for that hannah and so you've both been involved in this uh, Humber and North Yorkshire Green Social Prescribing Test and Learn pilot programme. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about that, Anthony. Yeah, so, so between um, April 2021 and, and March 2023, um, we were one of seven test and learn pilots across England. Um, so it was the whole of Humber and North Yorkshire integrated care system that was our footprint and really we were looking at what is required to scale up green social prescribing at a local level but also the steps needed to increase patient referral into mm. nature and outdoor activity so as I said we were one of seven um, test and learn sites and, and we all broadly had a key focus on improving mental health outcomes um, reducing health inequalities, as, as you've just mentioned, mm. um, reducing demand on health and social care systems, but also looking at how to develop best practice in making green social prescribing um, more resilient, but, but more accessible as well. Mm. Um, and nationally, it was a very cross-governmental um, programme. So funding came from various different departments and, and our national partners included NHS England, uh, DEFRA, Natural England, the National Academy of Social Prescribing, um, Sport England and others. Fantastic. And and what what did you learn? What because I know that there was a, a study done into the impacts of the test and learn uh, pilot program. What what were the what were the what learning came out of it? Yeah, so I can explain a little bit more about the um, cohort study that we undertook as part of the um, test and learn pilot. So one of the things we wanted to do was um, add to the evidence base around the effectiveness of green and blue social prescribing by following a cohort of people who were engaging in green activity. So what we did across all, all the places that kind of come under our footprint, which is York, um, North Yorkshire, East Riding, Hull, North East Links, North Links. We wanted to follow people on their green social prescribing journey. So we mm. followed them from the point of entry into the social prescribing service. We gathered outcome measures at that point. So we looked at um, well-being through the ONS4 and also a more clinical measure, the hospital anxiety and depression scale. Then the individual was kind of signposted to a green or blue activity through their link worker following the All About Me conversation. Mm. 
they engaged in that green activity and then outcome the same outcome measures were gathered at the end um, and what we found was that in total we had 232 before surveys and 185 after surveys so obviously we could kind of track the before and after data of those 185 surveys mm. um, what we found was taking part in green social prescribing activities significantly improved well-being so life satisfaction um, and happiness and the majority of participants moved from medium to high thresholds for well-being on the ONS4 so it felt like a, a kind of really good chance to kind of follow people on their journey and also get some specifics about what kind of activities and the length of activities might be be most helpful for people. Mm, great so it sounds like there's really good outcomes which is consistent with the evidence from elsewhere. Yeah definitely and we, we also kind of gathered some qualitative case studies um, and spoke to the link workers and the services involved in in this cohort study mm. to get that kind of depth of information about kind of barriers and enablers to engaging in green social prescribing. Mm, mm, mm. And I mean, I think from from the point of view of sort of greener practice and, and the work that I'm involved in, in, in looking at uh, primary care becoming more sustainable, the value of, of green social prescribing is in reducing the prescribing of medicines. Yeah, so um, that's not something um, we tracked in this study, but we certainly had some really positive case studies, didn't we, Anthony, around, you know, kind of individuals reporting that, that engaging in these activities was really beneficial in terms mm. of, of medication reduction. Mm, yeah, fantastic. Thank yeah, you. So, so, yeah, part of the programme was to sort of grow our own as well. So, so we followed the cohort, but we also invested quite a lot of funding into the community to actually sort of deliver activities so just over £350,000 we distributed to 36 different projects in the area um, again they were quite varied you know gardening walking we had an archaeology group we had some art-based groups and whilst we didn't necessarily get the clinical data from them we we took a lot of learning from those uh, projects so we do know from them that alongside improvements in mood and well-being, um, participants also developed an increased connection to nature. So it helps kind of facilitate mm -hmm. that. Increased social connection and, and um, interaction, built confidence, developed new skills and knowledge. But we also saw from, you know, case studies and, and feedback that those outdoor spaces were really good for peer-to-peer -peer support. So it was a really safe space where people could open up and talk to their peers about, um, you know, their mental health, their well-being, mm. you know, their lives, things like that. And while we didn't sort of measure it properly, physical activity came out of it as well. So taking part in gardening was getting people physically active and just moving more than they ordinarily would. Mm. So, yeah, it was a really good showcase of how green social prescribing activities can deliver multiple benefits side by side so so much to say isn't there about 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 that but i, I just thought i think a lot of um colleagues listening to this podcast will be thinking well give me an example of a concrete example of a, of a project have you got something in mind you can yeah. talk about anthony Definitely. So, so it's really hard to pick from the 36 that we funded <laughs> and we've engaged with loads of other really great projects across the region. Um, but one of the ones that, that did receive funding from us was Closer Communities. They're a small charity mm -hmm. in Scarborough um, and they developed the Dads Behaving Madly group. So mm -hmm. this used outdoor and in nature activities. So walking the coastal path in that area, 
they they teamed up with a local surf school. They did some foraging activities, and and they used those activities to bring together male carers of children mm. with special educational needs and disabilities. Mm. We we get our sort of reports from them as to how it's going, uh, and they saw their group grow from seven individuals at the beginning to over fifty individuals wow. who were all coming together. Um, to get support for their, their mental health and well-being. And those activities were that catalyst for them to start talking to each other and, and kind of garner that peer-to-peer -peer support. Mm. Um, in the first four months, they saw a 56% increase in referrals to their charity. Mm. So building up those connections with healthcare um, really worked. And we just love that name, Dad's mm. Behaving Madly. Mm. You know, it allowed mm. participants to join gather you know experience all that support but without it having a medicalized label mm -hmm. so it really was just dads getting out there and enjoying the outdoors and going surfing and things like that yeah sounds brilliant yeah, yeah thank you so just before we finish i just wondered how do gps or other people working in primary care find out what green social prescribing projects are available to their patients in their area yeah, um, I'll take that one. I think we just encourage people to speak to the local um, social prescribing service. The link mm. workers, you know, have a, a good knowledge of local groups, local mm. clubs, thinking about the organisations that are up and running and maybe some of their capacity. So, yeah, we'd encourage GPs to speak to the local social prescribing service um, and connect with the link workers. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's no actual sort of like directory of projects at, at the current time, but if people speak to their community link workers, they should hopefully get some information. Thank you so much, Hannah and Anthony, for joining me on this podcast. I mean, green social prescribing is something that I feel very passionate about, and it is becoming an increasingly available resource, and it's got proven health benefits. Um, and as we've said, it supports marginal groups as well. It's really is a win-win-win type of approach. Um, so thank you very much for coming to talk to us about it today. And um, there will be some uh, relevant links available in the show notes for this podcast. And we look forward to um, the next time we uh, make a recording. Bye-bye for now. Thanks, Margaret.